1 Corinthians 15. Lord willing, this will be the last time we read these verses for a little while until the Lord brings us back to these verses again. But 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you've received and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved if you keep in memory what I've preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas and then of the twelve. And after that, He was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, He was seen of James and then of all the apostles. And last of all, He was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, uh, that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. This morning, I want to speak to you about grace. And this is the second half of this message. We began this message last week. But there are tons of books about grace. If you look on Kurong's website, and by no means am I suggesting any of these books are necessarily valuable books, but I looked, uh, and some of them, God's Saving Grace is one title, Paul and the Power of Grace, The Doctrine of Grace, uh, The Cycles of Grace, Living in Sacred Balance, and The Grace Goes with the Chair. And these are just some books, and I think all of them except one was at least 200 pages or more. So they're, they're massive books. Lots is said about the doctrine of grace. And when we think about grace, Revelation twenty two twenty one of all the verses, of all the things that the Lord could have ended the Bible on, He ends the, the Bible with this thought, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Grace, what a wonderful thing. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15.10, and this is what we're going to be looking at today, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. And this morning, I reckon... We're just going to slow right down again and we're going to look at this verse because I think sometimes we, we, we think about grace as one of those church words, as one of those things that we talk about when we're here and that doesn't affect our everyday lives. Well, Paul, in his view of grace, his understanding of grace and his living grace, he understood that God's grace mattered to him every day of the week and every hour of the day. That grace, 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 it was so important 
the grace of God. So last week, we looked at the fact that what is grace? What is grace? Well, first of all, it is God's undeserved kindness or favor toward us. So it's undeserved kindness or favor. God doesn't give us uh, grace, His grace, because we deserve it. He gives it to us out of His kindness. Secondly, it is given to us uh, by God. It's given to us by God. So God gives His grace, His His undeserved kindness to us. God's enabling us to think, to do what is needed to be done. Uh, so sometimes people think that grace is only, God's grace is only for trusting Christ as Savior, getting saved. Well, yeah, it's good for that. It's His power to do that. But it's also, he, He's got power for the rest of our lives as well. So grace is that important. And His grace is with us. In that verse, and really I got all those things from 1 Corinthians fifteen ten. His grace is with us. He said that God's grace was with Him. He didn't say it was something he left at church. It was something that mattered to him every day. And then the greatness of grace. Grace doesn't erase our past, but it does enable us to go forward. Paul, he had to say that he was there holding the coats of the men who hated Christians. He was there holding their coats while they stoned Stephen. And he couldn't take that back. There's things that that Paul had done that he couldn't take back. But he also said, wait, wait, wait. He said, God's grace can overcome my past. won't erase my past, but it can overcome my past and help me move forward. And that's exactly what God's grace does in our lives as as well. He doesn't just... Erase our past. It's there. But God does give us grace to move forward, to go forward for Him. And so in thinking about the greatness of grace, His grace is great. His grace is great. And I love this poem by Chambers, I think was his name. Um, For daily need, there is daily grace. For sudden need, sudden grace. For overwhelming need, overwhelming grace. And if something just comes up, all of a sudden, a problem, a difficulty, whatever, a person, whatever, it didn't take God by surprise. He has the grace to help. And so sometimes, you know, sudden things come up. It overwhelms us. Didn't overwhelm God. And so daily grace, sudden grace, overwhelming grace, He gives us grace for those things. And we talked about His grace. The greatness of grace is shown by its placement in this verse. Now some of this is from last week. It's shown by its placement in this verse three times in 1 Corinthians 15.10. And this is the verse we're looking at. This is the only verse we're looking at of the passage we read this morning. This is it. Three times in this passage, he talks about the grace of God. In fact, let me 
Let me uh, bore you possibly. It's really interesting to me, but let me show you. This is the Greek word, or this is that Greek. Um, this is 1 Corinthians 15 in the Greek. I've just changed it to English letters. And I didn't just waste your time doing this. The, the reason I, I do this is we read this verse as what? And I am, but I am what I am by the grace of God. When Paul wrote this, he put the word grace first in the Greek in that sentence. And you don't just start off a sentence with grace. And I mean, you put it there in the Greek. If they put it there, they mean for us to say, this is about grace. You really need to get it. This is what I'm trying to emphasize. So Paul, throughout this verse, he's emphasizing the greatness of God's grace and how wonderful it is. Some other terms that talk about God's grace, that God's grace is rich and glorious. God's grace is abundant. God's grace is manifold. And the idea of the word manifold is the idea, I don't have my keys on me, I'll put them back there. God has a, a different key for every situation. He has different grace for every situation that we come to. So no matter what situation it is, it's not taking him by surprise. He just brings out that key. Yeah, I got that one too. And so his grace is manifold. And then, as Jim Berg says, God's grace is sufficient. The idea of that is God's grace is more than enough. It will be enough. We don't have to worry about God putting us in a situation that He's not going to be faithful to us, that He can't handle. It may be difficult and it may be hard, but God's grace is sufficient. It's more than enough. And then last week, we looked at how it's shown in our lives. There is seeing grace, the ability to see what we're really like, saving grace, serving grace, speaking grace, staying grace, strengthening grace, and sending grace. So God is at work in our lives doing all of these things. His grace. So today, let's look at the growth of grace, the growth of grace. Peter says this. He says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grace, God's unmerited favor, God's kindness toward us, God's ability to work in our lives, that needs to be growing in our lives. And the idea is, is that it's, it's sort of it's building on one another from grace to grace to grace, as John says, from grace to grace. So God gives the grace that we need for this situation, 
And then the next situation, and we're just learning from each one that we're growing. We're learning, okay, well, God was faithful in that situation. I know He'll give me the grace for this. God was faithful in this situation. I know He'll give me the grace for this. I didn't quite handle this this situation, this part of that right. But you know what? I've learned to trust Him more, and I'm going to react this way in this situation. So we are to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How? How do we grow in grace? Well, first of all, we grow in grace through self-reflection and examination. Can I just tell you something? Now, this this self-reflection and examination, you can do it too much. Okay? It can be just a spiral thing to where you just get all down on yourselves and you're just continually smashing yourself. Well, that's not what Paul did. In fact, he did this. Back to our verse of the day, we grow in grace by self-reflection, self-examination. Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And he's going to start talking about all the wonderful things he's doing for Christ. He's, He's going forward. He's sharing the gospel with everyone. But notice that first but there. That's there for a reason. And what's he, what's he remembering? He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. What's he remembering? Well, he was remembering what he used to be. He said this, he says, for I am the least of the apostles. Just the verse before, I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul says, you know what? We grow in grace by, first of all, being willing to reflect on what we were before we trusted Christ as Savior and to see where He's brought us from. Paul, every time he looked back, you look at Timothy, which was our Bible reading today, you look at Acts 22, Acts 24, there's a part of it in Galatians about him persecuting the church. Every time he mentions it, he's almost got his head down. And he's almost saying, you know what, I just can't. It's hard for, you know, he's feeling bad that he persecuted God's church. And then he remembered God's forgiveness, God's grace in his life. And he says, you know what, it makes a difference. He's remembering that God's grace is sufficient, that God has delivered him from his past sins. And you know what the wonderful thing is? Do you remember part of our growing in grace is remembering what we were before we trusted Christ as Savior? Now some of us may have had, we were saved from some pretty shocking things. We had a pretty shocking lifestyle. And some of us were saved when we were we high to, uh, to, to a grasshopper. We were just very young. And you know, being young, when you trust Christ as Savior, you probably wasn't a member of the mafia. You probably wasn't an alcoholic. You probably wasn't addicted to drugs. You probably hadn't murdered anybody. But it takes just as much. of That's what God's grace has delivered you from. You don't have to go through that stuff. And so part of this growing in grace is remembering, you know what? 
What was I before I trusted Christ as Savior? You know, I was proud. I was selfish. It was all about me. I was mean. I can see a felon at home where I grew up. Man, he was an alcoholic. He was a rough fellow. The grace of God changed him. You know what? When we reflect, and you know you can't take it back. Paul, in his reflection of this, he's, he understands he can't take it back. But he certainly can move forward. He can use that as a thank you Lord situation. Someone said this, Paul didn't have a bad self-image when he called himself the least of the apostles, nor was it false humility that prompted him to say that he was not worthy to be called an apostle. Neither was it undue pride when he affirmed that he labored more abundantly than all the other apostles. He was simply recognizing his human frailties while extolling or praising the effectiveness of God's grace. He knew he was able to serve God because he had been forgiven. Another writer says this, if we are going to grow in grace, we must stay aware of being both sinners and also loved children in Christ. We need a high and due sense of our sin before God and a deep and profound sense of our union with and acceptance in Christ. In the end, it's the joy and wonder of the gospel that will change you permanently. So how do we grow in grace? Well, keeping that foundation, remembering, you know, or sort of, you know, remember where you came from. Remember that you were only a sinner saved by grace. Remember that. So how do we grow? First of all, we remember that we're sinners saved by grace and we've been saved because He loves us. Secondly, through acting on what we know. Through acting on what we know. Peter says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And you know, through acting on what we know, you know, as I was preparing this, I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, there's, there's times where it's not that uh, we shouldn't come to church, but that I'm wondering, you know, if, if I just acted on what I know, Already. I don't, I don't need to hear any more preaching. I don't need to hear any more teaching. Of course I do need to hear. Of course I do need to be reading God's Word. But if I just acted on the stuff that I've already learned about Christ and the Christian life, man, that would keep me busy for the rest of my life. I've got, I've got plenty of knowledge. But he says for us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. So, so how are we going to grow in grace? Well, we're growing in the knowledge of the Lord. Well, what does that mean exactly? Well, 
It's learning about His grace. It says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Lord and Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. God has given us everything that we need. You know, you ever you ever go somewhere and you say, okay, you get everything. Okay, I got my wallet, got my keys, got my water bottle, got this, got this, got this. Well, the Lord in our Christian life, He saves us by His grace and He gives us everything that we need. We don't ever have to worry about starting a day or being at any part in the day where God, God forgot to give us something that we needed for that day. He gives us everything that we need to know how to get to heaven and then to live for Him on earth. Whereby given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So we're growing in grace through acting on what we know. And this is what, besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. Keep growing in your relationship with God. Keep growing in your relationship with others. Let your faith in God have to do change your character. Just as God is a truth teller, we should be truth tellers. God, just as God is patient with us, we should be patient with others. Just as God is willing to forgive us, we should be willing to forgive others. So it's this character and then more knowledge and to knowledge temperance was just self-control being able to, to, when things happen, I'm getting ready to be loud, so get ready. So when things happen, we don't go in life. It's just the self-control thing. And then to self-control, we have patience, being able to bear up under problems and to that godliness, being handling life like God does, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. And then he says, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Learning about Him by putting them into practice with the way we treat others and the way we trust God. And then we grow in grace not only through self-examination, through acting on what we know, we grow in grace through our Bible reading and prayer. Let me ask you something. Is there a, a set time, whether it's a set time or not, that you set aside each day that you spend time with the Lord? Is there that growing time? Is there that growing time? Paul says this in Acts 20. Luke says this. And I, now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. It's the word of His grace.
This is the word of his grace. This teaches us about God's grace working in us. Sometimes we want this magic potion about becoming more like God and doing something for God when really it's a matter of just learning more about Him. Uh, Colossians 3.16 Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So, Letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Are we letting His Word dwell in us richly? And in no way, in no way when I'm emphasizing this, and am I trying to, if you haven't been reading your Bible like you should, I am not trying to smash you. Okay? I'm not trying to smash you. But at the same time, I am saying, I am saying we need to get in His Word because His Word in us, dwelling in us richly, it teaches us about His grace. And so the Lord is just coming beside of us this morning and saying, you know what, let's, let's, let's be in the book. Let's get it into our heads. Let's be learning. Now if I need to smash you, I'm smashing you, okay? If you want to be smashed, okay. If that's what helps you, but I'm really just going, man, we need to be in His Word. Secondly, we need to be praying. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of the law. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of, you better do better. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of, I'm not listening to you. Therefore, let us come boldly to where? The throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, I can make up my mind that I'm going to read God's Word and I'm going to pray so much and I'll have this feel-good feeling. I'm going to do that. Get on you, man. The old flesh says, get on you, man. And you have this good on your feeling. But when it comes time to doing it, the flesh says, no, I don't think so. Oh, you got too much to do. Oh, you got this going on. Oh, no. Well, the writer of Hebrews says, let's go before His throne that we may obtain grace to find and help in time of need. So through Bible reading and prayer, we find grace. We, uh, we grow in grace through our faithfulness during our difficulties. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave to the Lord. You know what? We are not going to live a committed Christian life without a commitment to Him. We are not going to live a committed life to Christ without a commitment to Him. If we just leave it to willy-nilly, oh, I may, I may, we'll see how it works out. We'll see how it works. See how the weekend goes. If nothing else comes up, I'll go to church. 
If nothing else comes up, I'll do my Bible reading. If nothing else comes up, I'll pray. If nothing else comes up, I'll witness. If nothing comes up, he says to cleave to the Lord, that, that commitment, that, that, that cleaving to, that with purpose of heart, we cleave to the Lord. And it's going to matter because in Hebrews he says for us to look diligently, it takes effort, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You know what? Sometimes it takes God's grace, it takes effort, for us not to be bitter at people or at God because things happen, things get said, things get done, things the Lord allows this or that. And He says, okay, you better watch your heart. You look diligently. You make sure that you're staying committed, that you're staying sweet because you can get bitter. Lest any man fail, looking diligently. Lest we fail the grace of God. Can I ask you something this morning? Are you letting the things of life make you bitter? Paul says it takes that diligence in your commitment to Christ not to. 1 Peter 5.10 But the grace of God the God of all grace who hath called us unto eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. His grace is able to perfect, to establish, to strengthen, and to settle us. And none of the, he didn't even mention not having troubles. He's saying, you know what? In the troubles, in the trials, he is able to settle us. Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Our verse for today. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Paul acknowledged that living the Christian life, serving God, is not easy. In fact, he says, but I labored more abundantly than they all. That word labored means the idea of at the end of every day, he comes home and he goes, Ugh. it's just a, laboring to where you don't hardly have the strength to go another step. Paul acknowledged that sometimes, maybe lots of times, the Christian life is not easy one writer said this, I will never shrink from declaring my belief that there are no spiritual gains without pains. I should as soon expect a farmer to prosper in business who contented himself with sowing his fields and never looking at them to harvest and expect to, as expect a believer to attain much holiness who will not dil who was not diligent about the Bible reading, his Bible reading, his prayers, and the use of his Sundays. 
life has its pains. And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When is God's grace sufficient for you? Can you think of a time when God's grace is not sufficient for you? Can you think of a time? One writer said this, the late 19th century, a preacher was struggling with this very question. He and his family had been on an outing to the seashore. He related this story. My little daughter was taken sick and died. I had to carry the little coffin in my arms all the way home where I buried my little one with my own hands. He continued the story. I sat down to prepare my notes. He was a preacher, uh, but soon found myself murmuring in my tent against God for all He had called upon me to bear. I flung down my pen, threw myself on my knees, and said to God, It is not sufficient. It is not sufficient. Lord, let Your grace be sufficient. O Lord, do. A beautifully illustrated Scripture text hung on the wall above His table. As I opened my eyes, I was saying, O God, let Your grace be sufficient for me. And there on the wall, I saw it. My grace is sufficient for you. A voice seemed to say to me, You fool! How dare you ask God to make what it is, what is, get up and take and you will find it true. When God says it is for you to believe Him and you will find it true at every moment. This has changed my life. From that moment I could say, Oh God, whatever you did say in your word, I believe and I will step out on it. Through faithfulness during difficulties and then lastly through humility, in our walk, through humility in our walk. He says in James 4.6, But He giveth more grace, wherefore He saith, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. No matter what Paul accomplished, he says, I worked, in 1 Corinthians 15.10, I worked more abundantly than they all. But what did he say at the end? Is he getting the big head? Is he, is he proud of himself? No, that end of that verse is, no, it was the grace of God working in me. God gives more grace. He resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. The humble. He resists the proud. That's the idea. I loved it when, my, when a, a teacher shared that with me. The idea of the word resisteth gives the idea of God's, you know, here we are, we're all proud. Uh, and we come into the boxing rink, you know, Mr. Bad, and then God is there ready to meet us. And He says, okay, you think you're so hot? You think you're so big? Bring it on, man. And then we find out, mm, we're not all that. We're not all that. And so, it's not that God said that God wants to box with us. But if in our proud times we say to Him,
I am who I am because I made myself this. I am who I am because of my accomplishments. I am who I am because I made this good investment. I am who I am because I met this person. If we, in our pride, in our self-sufficiency, He says, you know what? I can, I can help you realize you're not. He says in 1 Peter 5.5, 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And then the glory of grace. We've already done this a little bit. Who gets the glory for God's grace? Paul said what? He says, I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I. It wasn't me. It was God. And yeah, it was Him, and God will reward Him for it. But He acknowledged the fact that it was God who gave Him the power, the strength, the opportunity, the people around Him. God gave Him the opportunity. Everything He gave Him is the grace of God which was with Him. Paul acknowledged his responsibility, but at the same time, he says, you know what? It's God's working in me. Who gets the glory? God gets the glory. First, uh, Ephesians 1.6, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein in He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. 2 Corinthians 4.15, for all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. So what's the application of 1 Corinthians 15.10? What can we learn from 1 Corinthians 15.10? What can we learn from by the grace of God I am what I am? And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labor more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. What can we learn from this verse? Well, first of all, we can see this verse. It can. If, if we can, it's sort of a check it's sort of a, okay, first of all, it's, it's a comfort. By the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, lots of us have this before verse, this verse 9, that talked about we were God's enemy, or we did some things wrong, we had a rough past. And Paul says, you know what, it's comforting to me to know that God, even though He knows what I'm like, He knows what I'm like, yet... He accepts me, saves me from my sins, and lives within me. Wow. And you know what? That, that gives comfort. His grace is with us. He is willing to be with us. Even when others don't want to be around us, His grace is with us. No matter what. And you know what? That's, that's comforting. His grace, or this verse, by the grace of God, I am what I am. It serves as a check. It serves as a check. Can I say that the way I responded to someone else, I am being, and that's the, that's the idea of this verse, what I am being right now, I am by the grace of God. The way I'm acting right now, I'm acting by the grace of God. The way I'm responding right now, I'm responding by the grace of God. I am what I am right now by the grace of God. And it's a check. It's like, okay, now, 
the way I'm handling this situation, am I claiming God's grace? Am I actually what I am right now by God's grace? Or am I doing this Kelly's way? Or am I doing this in the power of the flesh? Am I letting something else control me? It just serves as a check. And sometimes we can say, well, thankfully I am letting the power of Christ, His grace, control me. Sometimes we have to say, ooh, let me, let me get things back. Let me, let, me, let me start thinking like Him. Let me start thinking, let me get things going the way He wants me to think. And then, there's a commitment. There's that commitment. Lord, I am what I am by the grace of God. Lord, help me this day not to see grace as something we do on Sundays. Help me to see your grace as something that I live in that's with me every day and wants to affect my whole entire life. Whether it's the way I speak, the way I live, the way I... Everything. God's grace. And then it's a challenge. Lord, help me to trust you. Help me to trust you. So it's comfort, check, commitment, and challenge. And then just grace. Grace, God's grace. Do you know Christ is your Savior this morning? If you don't, you can. That's just His wonderful grace. But if we do know Him as Savior, man, He is working. He has so much invested in us. His grace is with us. And the thing is, do we believe Him? Do we believe Him when He says that His grace is with Him? Do we believe Him? 